Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. Ever wondered how a book gets made into a movie? Or how to master the art of cooking? Either way, we've got you covered with the Two Guys from Hollywood podcast. I'm Alan Nevins, a literary agent and talent manager. And I'm Joey Santos, a columnist and celebrity chef. On our podcast, we're going to be serving you a fresh perspective of the entertainment industry alongside our favorite celebrity guests. As we like to say, we don't dish, we serve. Listen and follow Two Guys from Hollywood on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you listen to podcasts. We'll talk at you soon. Hey, thanks for downloading the podcast. If you want to listen live, all you have to do is download the iHeartRadio app and search for Fantasy Sports Radio Network. Also, if you want to catch this show on video, be sure to check out Zumo TV, channel 719. That's where you can find SportsGrid's Fantasy Sports Network. Enjoy the show, and thanks so much for listening. It's from on the fence, coast to coast, in the biggest way possible, hanging out. The bad seed, you're broken, ate a bad apple with a bad attitude, hanging around a bunch of bad under bad taste, bad life, bad dude, bad breath, bad it's bad vibes. We are chilling the most with Rella Palatial, right across the river and through the woods, where Grandma likes to have her Manhattan before dinner in New York City. People dressed in plastic bags, directing traffic, some kind of fashion, shaking it up, should do bit. All my friends that come around, flats and flats, a party, uh, rats on the west side, bed bugs uptown. What a mess, this town's in tatter. My brains are splattered all over Manhattan, should do be shake out. Ooh. All right, for all with you, look who it is. Peter King, the greatest writer on the face of the earth. I used to be popular. I used to have a national audience of millions. And then one day, Peter King came along and stole three quarters of them from me. <laughs> article that comes out once a week that is so fantastic, people stopped listening to me and they started reading again. Just like when you were a child and they taught you how to read in school. And one day, reading became unimportant. And now, Peter King has brought it back into full circle regalia. People are reading his column by the millions. Soon enough, by the billions. Mr. King, how are you, sir? You are really, really too nice. But anyway, hey, it's good to be on with you, Scotty. Good to have some island of normalcy in uh, in a town that's in tatters, you're absolutely right. I'm in Brooklyn, and uh, it's a little bit tatterish over here right now. I saw you uh, were in Brooklyn, and I was like, "What's he doing in Brooklyn? He used to live in Jersey, like in a really nice suburb, a little borough. You could take your dog for a walk, and you could go down to the coffee shop. And now you're in the mean streets of no sleep zone, and you're posting pictures of soiled gloves on the sidewalk. What the- <laughs> yeah. yeah, that was that's bizarre. I don't know. You know, my wife and I, we lived in, in Montclair, New Jersey for 19 years. And then we moved to Boston for a couple of years. We enjoyed that, but I just had to be in New York too much. So I've lived in New York, either in Manhattan or here in Brooklyn for the last 10 years. It's been good. We've enjoyed it. Are you uh, nervous, and is your wife nervous being in the city with uh, the you know chaos that has been going on? It's very 
uh, scary? Well, not really. I mean, we are we're one mile, actually nine tenths of a mile from where I'm sitting right now is the Brooklyn Hospital Center, which is the place that well, one of the places now that has the refrigerated truck outside where they forklift the uh, the dead, uh, unfortunate people with coronavirus into. Uh, and it's uh, it's it's bizarre to think about it. But in some ways, Scott, I mean, I, I feel like I'm kind of a world away. I take my dog for a walk. I just worked out in our little courtyard in our apartment building. I mean, nothing is open. Nobody's around. So I, I, I don't feel it much different. Plus, when you're a sports writer, I've been working out of my house since 1985. And so I, it, it's not a very weird feeling to be sitting in my house all the time because lazy bum that I am, that's usually where I work from. You have been uh, working out, I can tell. You look fantastic. And I saw Andy Reid has his elliptical going. And now there's a competition. And I have to say, you look better than Andy just by a smudge. Andy trying to keep up with Peter King these days after winning the Super Bowl and such. Now that he's big shot, he has to, like, get in game shape, Peter King shape. Here's what I really like about Andy Reid. The other day, the editor of my column, it's a guy named Don Bon Vesuto. He lives in Long Beach, California. He texted me and he goes, hey, you got a quote from Reed in your column about working in his basement. Is there any way he'd send you a picture of himself working there? And I said, I don't know. I'll ask. So I texted him. And an hour and a half later, here's a picture of Andy Reed working in his basement. And he's just, you know, I try to tell people a lot of times. I mean, you know, if you're a Chiefs fan, they'll say, hey, what's. Mahomes like, what's Andy Reid like? I said, Andy Reid is one of the most normal human beings I've ever met in any walk of life. And that's what he is. If he has time, if he can do it, he'll do it. And, uh, you know, so I, I was thinking, uh, you know, Scott, it, it, without, without being really kind of irreverent about the whole situation, I was actually thinking of trying to do a bunch of pictures in my column this week with people – I'm not saying I call it COVID cribs, <laughs> with players and, coaches, players and coaches and GMs in their house, you know, and, and because everybody, we're all doing the same thing. We're all just working in our house or watching Netflix or, or, or hosting shows. And so I was just thinking of doing that. I don't know. I may do it next Monday. I like it. You know, I was doing the show with a uh, a, a shot of going downtown toward Wall Street uh, from Midtown. And uh, my bosses at one point said that the Empire State uh, steeple was sticking out of the back of my head like alfalfa <laughs> from uh, the, the rascals. And then at that point, that was the end of the southbound viewing shot. They said I looked like alfalfa. So they went with the blue New York uh, still screen. But I'm actually doing the show from my daughter Chop's birthday or uh, bedroom. And she's like, when am I getting my bedroom back? I said, never. So uh, let me ask you this question. You did a great piece on, uh, you know, twofold for me. One, the NFL in uh, the draft that they have, you know, stood by that they're going to pull this off from day one. And then the second part of it was the great 
piece uh, tie in with how the cults are handling it. So I want to ask you, first of all, there's a lot of people, believe it or not, that are troubled by the NFL having this draft. They've been getting some flack. There's been articles written about them uh, that there must be, you know, frankly, something wrong with them and Goodell for uh, trying to pull this off when the world, um, you know, is going through this uh, Pharrell-demic virus. It's crazy. Uh, and it's, you know, it's very dangerous what's going on. And you're talking about stacking bodies. I was reading in the paper today, they're talking about mass graves in certain locations in New York. And we got an NFL commissioner, respectfully, that still wants to pull off this draft uh, virtually uh, with TVs and everyone's homes and the like. What is your opinion of it? And what do you think of the way they're handling it? Well, I see both sides, Scott, because, I mean, to me, I, I don't mind the draft being held right now. And I know I've talked to general managers who are quite upset about it because they say there's no way we can do our work the way we normally would do it. And now, because the draft is going to be held without you being able to have anybody in the same room with you, you know, it's going to require every single draft room to be a virtual draft room, to be on either – you know, Cisco WebEx or one of those uh, streaming services, personal streaming services, Zoom, Microsoft Teams, whatever you call it. So most general managers think, quite honestly, that they don't have enough information, anywhere near enough information. But I do think the NFL's point is this. Well, when will you? You know, it, this this really could go on for quite a while. So I, I think it, that's one of the reasons behind one of the things I wrote this week, Scott, is that what they're going to do is part of the draft process this year is going to be uh, what I would call a telethon element to it. Right. You know, people of a certain age like us, you remember, you know, the Jerry Lewis telethon, sure. the St. Jude telethon, where for 24 hours they appeal to money from people all over the country and raise eight or 10 million bucks. And I think the NFL uh, is going to do that on a three-day draft process and have players, former players, coaches, you know, celebrities, not only announcing picks, but appealing, um, you know, to donate money to help people affected by this pandemic. A lot of people uh, have uh, commended them for the money that they've shelled out. Many owners have done a lot and spent millions and uh, they've done everything from Kraft, uh, donating his plane to get the mask from China, et cetera. And, uh, you know, a lot of these uh, owners have plenty of money and they've been donating. And then I've seen people write uh, that uh, I actually read today that a, 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 a writer uh, went out there and said, you know, they should be adding some zeros to those checks and that the NFL should do more to help people. Uh, do you think the NFL is doing enough to help the situation, or could they and everyone else, for that matter, be doing more? How do you see that? Well, Scott, we'll find out when when this draft is over. I mean, I, I really think that every owner ought to get involved uh, heavily in this uh, in this process. And I have no idea. Look, I, I'm not one to tell somebody how to spend their money, really, but uh, I, I do think that the NFL should and will raise a significant amount of money for this cause. And, you know, really, that's one of the reasons that I could see to justify them and why they're having the draft now. And so 
I'm not I'm not really that you know put off by the whole whole thing. I think it's fine, and I also think think it gives Americans something, anything to look forward to. I got to tell you, I was watching Jack Morris face Steve Garvey and Greg Nettles back-to-back in the 84 World Series, and I was doing just fine with that. The other day, I got to dabble in a little old-school childhood memory of my father taking me to the 79 World Series and watch Kent to Colby dealing on the mound and Willie Pop Stargell over at first base and Bill Madlock at third, Foley and Garner in the middle. And I got to relive their epic 3-1 comeback over the Orioles. Uh, and I got to tell you, I was very satisfied with the end game there when the Pirates used to matter. Now they spend $4 on their payroll. But I've been watching all baseball and enjoying it. So lastly, I want to ask you about the uh, the situation where you uh, you broke down down all the different levels of the Colts. I thought it was just really brilliant stuff. And Ballard and, and Frank Reich, but also the people we've never heard of that have very important jobs in the Colts organization with things like social media and um, and the guy that did the feature on uh, the next pick. I thought that was really cool. Uh, you're always coming up with stuff smarter than me and everyone else. Uh, did you have fun doing that feature of your article? I thought it was just absolutely, it sucks you right in. You're just ruining people. You're drawing them in, and then they're just left in a, in a pit of doom. Hey, Scott, here's, here's what was cool. Last week, I sat there, and I said, what am I really curious? There's so many things right now. Heck, I could write 20,000 words a week. Um, but but every there's so much different stuff happening right now, and I and I have been wondering, how are teams dealing with this? How are they actually doing their jobs? And uh, so I called around, I uh, called a few teams, and the Colts said, they'll, they'll give me some people in the organization. Let me talk to them, and, and I'll just describe what, how their jobs are going. And, you know, a couple of things about that were so cool. The offensive quality control coach is a guy named Parks Frazier, and he right now is – putting the offensive playbook together right now from his bedroom in his parents' home in Mississippi. He's just like all of us. He's working. When you go into an office every day and all of a sudden that's shut off and you got to work somewhere, right. you're either going to go to the Starbucks down the street. Well, that's not open. Or you're going to go to your childhood bedroom in Corinth, Mississippi, and put the Indianapolis Colts playbook together. So anyway, those are the kind of things that I thought were just really, really fun. And the fact that the other thing that was so cool, one one afternoon last week, a beautiful day in Indianapolis, Chris Ballard, his two, his two boys are home. They're, set, I think, 17 and 12 or 15 and 12, and they were out playing catch in the backyard. They both love baseball. Chris Ballard went out into the backyard with them and played catch with them for an hour. He said, you know, I'll catch up on the tape later. So in some ways – this has been kind of a cool thing, I think, for some people around the NFL. It some has. Some probably feel like they're forced into being more family people, but for a guy like Ballard with five kids and three dogs, I think he appreciates it. 
So I played catch with my son in the backyard as well, but I had to dodge my dog's big piles of cable in the yard, which was a problem. And I reminded my son that it was time for him to help pick those up. Also, yesterday was the first time I played tons of basketball, Peter. Seven days a week I ball. I played my whole life. And my son's a really good player. He's a two guard on the high school team. And uh, he's never beaten me once ever. But yesterday I got him 25 to 22. It was the closest He's ever come to beating his old man. And, Peter, I have a feeling the next time I play him, my run is ending. And I think that my son has finally figured out how to stop my big inside George Gervin game that I have. My finger roll not falling anymore like it used to. Lastly, I want to ask you about my friend Gil Brandt. And uh, listen to this. I used to do a radio show with Gil Brandt every week on Fox Sports Radio going way back. And boy, did I love Gil Brandt. What a guy. He is uh, 87 years old now and doing, I think he wrote something along the neighborhood of 65 drafts. That's insanity. And what did you think of talking to him? Because I just think he's a real special guy uh, like you are, Pete. And I think you've always come through for me and always done my show all these years, despite your uh, soaring uh, fame and popularity. You've always been real with me, just like Gil was. What do you think of him still doing drafts, and what do you think of his picks? I've got, respectfully, two minutes. Well, here's the thing, Scott. Gil Brandt is a living, breathing encyclopedia about football. And you're right. This is the <laughs> 65th draft. He has worked either for a team or for the NFL or for NFL.com. And this is the 85th draft. So he's done, he's worked every draft but 20. <laughs> Here, here's the thing about, about Gil. Um, I know that he watches this stuff, you know, and it, because it's, it's his hobby. You know, he do, he's got not a lot to do. And now even more this year, sitting in his house in Dallas, you know, he's able just to watch more and more tape. The biggest thing that surprised me, he gave me his first half of his first round, ranked the players one through 16. One, he ranked Justin Herbert over Tua, which surprised me a little, but didn't shock me. But the big one was ranking Jeff Okuda, the corner from Ohio State. Right. I couldn't believe it. Wow. (laughs) I should probably have him higher. Gil loves the tackles in this draft. Loves them. He thinks there are four tackles who walk in right away and start. So always have a good time learning and, and talking to Gil Brandt. Yeah, Wills, uh, Wirtz, Thomas, and uh, Becton. I was, uh, I'm going to be talking to Thomas Dimitrov. He's going to have, I think, 10 first-round guys of his 11 on offense that were first-round picks in the draft. I still believe firmly uh, you build through the draft, uh, and I love the draft, and I love at the end of the draft when guys, everyday Joes, think they look at the, the guys that they got and wonder if it's all going to pan out and get them a, a Lombardi trophy. Peter, keep doing your article. It is superb. I love it. I can't live without it. I always enjoy having you on the show. It's great having you on Coast to Coast on Sports Grid. I look forward to having you on for many years to come. Let's hope the draft goes off uh, fantastically for the NFL. Thanks so much for coming on today. You're welcome. I love him. Peter King. Check him out. His article's the best. Everyone else is jealous of him. He just got on the bench on Coast to Coast. DailyRoto.com. Learn from the game's best DFS players. We don't just give you premier advice. 
We play every day. All major sports, all year round, we never stop. Industry-leading DFS tools and custom projections. And now, the DailyRoto.com Optimizer. In minutes, build an optimized lineup for cash games and tourneys. Learn from the game's best DFS players. Join DailyRoto.com. Hey, everyone. It's Michelle Williams, and I love being able to share my story with you on my podcast, Checking In with Michelle Williams, where my guests and I get real as we share the ups and downs of our mental health journeys. And I'd love for you to join me. I'm still on my own journey, but I want to be transparent with you because as I was posting all the highlights of my life on social media, I was breaking down. And too many people fall victim to the picture-perfect image of the high life, so I created a space to discuss the good and the bad. We can laugh, man. We're going to learn. And most of all, I hope to inspire you to go on this journey with me to better mental health. This is going to be your church, your turn up, and everything in between. So join me on my podcast, Checking In with Michelle Williams, a safe space for every kind of person. Listen to Checking In with Michelle Williams every Tuesday, a part of the Black Effect on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. All right, Ariel. It's good to have you back on C2C. I want to talk about your great uh, NFL uh, tweet that you put out that got everybody all riled up. Where you started <laughs> talking I mean, you started talking about uh, the playoff odds and who's going to make the playoffs. And thank God uh, I saw that you had my Steelers as the number six. Now, these were odds that are out. uh, And I want to find out what you think of those odds, because these are not your selections. These were actually uh, odds that are out now of, uh, you know, that they're selling these teams uh, going to the playoffs. So Chiefs, Ravens, Patriots, Bills, Colts, Steelers would be the sixth, the wild card, right? And mm-hmm. uh, Titans uh, would, be the other, would be the other team. And then what? Uh, the Niners, Saints, Cowboys, Eagles, Packers, Bucks, Seahawks, seven, Vikings, eight. So they've added, uh, I guess, an eighth team there. So let's start with, uh, first of all, your initial reaction to the lists when you saw them, and then we'll break down each conference. What did you think when you first saw it? My first thought was, why are there seven AFC teams that are favored and eight NFC teams? If it's going to be a 14-team playoff, how come there's an extra team favored in the NFC? That was the first weird thing to me. The second weird thing was that the... Tampa Bay Buccaneers are at minus 154 to make the playoffs, whereas the New England Patriots, who have a very uncertain quarterback situation at the moment for the first time in years and under Bill Belichick, the Patriots are at minus 205 to make the playoffs. Explain to me, Scott, how the New England Patriots, who are very uncertain on their offensive side of the ball for this coming season at minus 205 to make the playoffs, are more favored than the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, who have Tom Brady at quarterback, along with the receivers of Chris Godwin and Mike Evans? That's a great question. Uh, It's very confusing. I started getting uh, confused when I saw the new Buccaneers uniforms, and I also uh, disapprove of the uh, overkill on the Tom Brady signing. Now, I get it. He went to the Bucs. I get it. You get, you know, two, three, four days out of that. I get how you do 
Uh, every uh, media outlet in the world spends every single show hours upon hours talking about it. I get how they interview all the players on the Bucks. I get how they interview all the Patriots on him leaving. But then what I start to get a little sketchy on and I don't like is that, you know, he says goodbye to the Patriot fans. Then he, you know, we go through that. Then he says hello to the Tampa Bay Buccaneer fans. And we got to go through that. And then uh, they announce where he's going to live. They did a whole three, four day thing on Derek Jeter's mansion. And then uh, now I've seen another interview where they break down how it all happened and came together. That he, How did he end up going to Tampa Bay? I mean, Christ almighty, how much can you talk about Tom Brady, for God's sakes, about the same thing where they're carving it up? It's like a pizza. There's so many slices to this story that I feel like I got two-for-one pizzas and I got a pepperoni pizza and a, a sausage pizza and I'm just eating slices all day and talking about Tom Brady. I'm sick and tired of it already. All right, we already know he's better looking than me and has everything better than me. Hotter wife, hotter kids, better house, better car. He's got horses running through his yard. He's got a big pond full of marlin jumping through the air. He smells better. He eats better food than me. Oh, please, you, know? you would not want to eat avocado ice cream. Oh, my God. What That's a femme. I don't eat avocado ice cream. I eat avocado bean dip with my Tostitos. Exactly. I mean, honestly. Well, you? the Tampa Bay Buccaneers are getting their money's worth. This is exactly what they were hoping for with getting Tom Brady at their quarterback position. It's it's just, to me, the the relationship between Bruce Arians and Tom Brady that will be interesting. Tom Brady going from Bill Belichick, who ran a very militant type of um, organization, and then going to Bruce Arians, who's saying, let's go get a beer after. How's that going to work? I think it's going to work fine, because if you work for some guy that's as hardcore as Belichick, and then you get to go work for someone as cool as Arians, allegedly, who's a total player's coach, that's like going to the Playboy Super Bowl party. That's what that is. I mean, you're going from you're going from like Shawshank to the Playboy Mansion. Okay, that's what that is. That's true. Another thing that stood out to me when looking at these odds with making the playoffs is the the Cowboys and the Eagles both making the playoffs. I think it's very tough, and I know that Mike Blewett brought this up on the Twitter feed. It's very tough for the NFC East to compete with the rest of the NFC for wild card spots. Yeah, listen, I'm not going to argue with you. First of all, um, the Cowboys stink, and it's funny. They have all the attention in the world. Everyone just sucks up to the Dallas Cowboys, all the media. All the time. I, I mean, you name it. It's, it's Dallas Cowboys all day, every day, and it's uh, ESPN, all of them. They never stop. Uh, they, I think they put themselves in a corner, to be honest with you, Ariel. They are going to give uh, Dak Prescott, I believe, in the neighborhood of 34 to $35 million a year to be their quarterback. They've already given Zeke a ton of money. They gave Amari Cooper a ton of money. And then everybody else, Frederick quit. Uh, they, you know, they're you know, bringing Sean Lee back, who I think is a great uh, player when he plays three games a year. Uh, you know, that guy, I don't trust being healthy uh, as far as you can spit. And I think the rest of the team, like, 
you can't tell me that they already have, like, they have this imbalance. You know, three guys make all the money. Everybody else is, let's just face it, jealous. And I don't think that, you know, you can have three guys have everything and the rest of them have nothing and not have a problem. I want a team that everybody makes decent money and they go out to win. The Cowboys have a lopsided boat and they don't win. And it's because... They can't level out the boat. They just have. How about with the addition of Mike McCarthy at head coach? How could you see him developing Dak Prescott even more? Well, I think that uh, that's going to be more interesting than the football team. We've already seen the football team fail uh, miserably for the last several years. I mean, how long has it been since they've done anything? So uh, it's been a disaster. But I actually they're believe. They're fortunate that they're in the worst division in the NFC. Well, fair enough. And I think that actually, you know, what you said is smart. I think that the McCarthy factor will play into this thing in a new dynamic. We've already seen everything else fail. So I actually think Mike's going to do a good job in Dallas. I think he can actually make them a winner. I believe that they have a shot to turn it around because of him. Now, I don't know about this year, automatic and those high odds of getting in there. And, uh, you know, I'm not buying Philly either, Ariel. I'll tell you why. Because all I ever hear about is how uh, Carson Wentz is the greatest uh, quarterback in the NFL. I, this It just never ends with this guy getting juice that he doesn't deserve. All I know is... He played a full season in three years. Yeah. How about he never plays when it matters? Mm, how about exactly. he, he misses all the big games? So I need to see that guy just for once, just for once in his career, play the season. And not spend half of it on the sideline, which, in my opinion, ruins the team. And I think, listen, they were really bad. They were really bad. I cannot believe how far the mighty have fallen from winning a Super Bowl with Foles to what they are today. Because I'll tell you what, their owner is more interesting, giving money to COVID workers and, uh, you know, first responders and donating a million dollars. That's more uh, scintillating to me as a story than watching that crappy football team because they are average at best. And I mean, that division is so bad that I believe actually that Dallas can get in by winning the division because of McCarthy. But I'm not buying both of them. I'm not buying that for one minute. The Eagles need to draft a wide receiver in this draft, which the odds are showing it's likely the first seven top picks going to the Philadelphia Eagles on FanDuel are wide receivers. The Eagles need to have someone else to help Carson Wentz out. That's, of course, if Carson Wentz can stay healthy on the field, especially during the playoffs. Those were between the Buccaneers and the Patriots having very different odds in making the playoffs. Granted, they're in different division, different conferences, and the Buccaneers have a tougher conference than having to face the Saints and the Panthers and um, the Falcons, who are all tougher teams than I would say facing the Jets every year, <laughs> twice a year. That's definitely tougher. I just think that there's uncertainty there. And then, of course, with the NFC East, I just think the odds are very weird. There's a lot of discrepancies in the odds that we see, not only from the season, but for the draft as well. I think when I was – so I was talking to John Sheeran, who helps make the odds for the FanDuel Sportsbook. He was telling me that usually on a daily basis, they all have a big meeting where they have their different people planning out the different lines for the games. And then right. someone like John or the bosses comes in and has the official say. I think there's a lot of discrepancies out there on the odds board just because they probably are working from home. And there's so many people that are doing different things that it's taking maybe the higher ups a little bit longer to go and 
have the final say on those lines. I saw it with the Giants' odds for the NFL draft. Two nights ago, the, the Giants had Isaiah Simmons as their first pick in the draft. However, it was the offensive tackle position that was the first pick for the Giants, which makes no sense since Simmons is a linebacker. Within 12 hours, that line changed to the linebacker being the favorite to go to the Giants. Just If you really search the odds boards, you can find some really intriguing bets to make, especially for the NFL. That's interesting. I, I'll say this as well, that um, you know the Giants uh, are, are fascinating in the sense that I actually think Jones – made some nice strides as their quarterback. And I already know, you know, Barkley, what he can do. I think everybody knows what that guy's capable of. And I actually think that he played injured all of last season. I don't even yeah. believe that when he came back that he was healthy. I think he was running at about 80, 85 tops the whole season. I don't think he was ever 100% except maybe the first week. And then once you have that high ankle, forget it. It's it's an all-season type of, of lingering you know, pain in the arse. That's the bottom line. So if that guy can play healthy and if that kid Jones can get better, I mean, like where he was improving a lot on a team with no talent, imagine if he got better again and took another couple steps and if they could ever get anything out of this new coach and his staff to make that defense better in the draft, if they are able to uh, manipulate the draft, let's say, in some capacity and get themselves two or three really good players that can, you know, be stuck into that lineup immediately and see growth and results from them and that they could be a sleeper-type success team because I honestly believe the rest of that division is so bad that anyone that shows improvement at all could end up uh, seeing some level of success where I think that people think it's Philly and Dallas – it could actually turn on its head and be New York and Dallas, in my opinion. But I'll tell you this. Yeah, yeah go ahead. I was just going to say, it's the same thing in that, uh, you know, uh, with, with Green Bay and Minnesota. I think they're both really good teams. And you had talked about, you know, can both of them go from the East? I actually think that if anyone's going to go two from one division, it'd be, uh, I would agree with those odds that it would be Green Bay and Minnesota both make it. I like the NFC West also between the Seahawks and the 49ers. The NFC West really intriguing. The Rams are a dark horse as well. Arizona is going to get better this year. Another year for their quarterback. Another year for their head coach. The two of them being together. Then you also have the addition of DeAndre Hopkins coming to that division at Arizona. It's going to be an interesting NFC West that anyone can take too. Just going back to the NFC East though. The NFC East is intriguing because three out of the four head coaches in that division are first-year head coaches on their new teams. The reason the Giants scare me a little bit is because it's not only a first-year head coach for the Giants, he's a first-year head coach at the NFL level. Then, at least for the Redskins and the Cowboys, you have two head coaches who have been in the NFL before. Now you have Daniel Jones, who's going to be a second-year starter with a first-year NFL head coach with an off-season and a preseason that's very uncertain, you can't do – those five teams with new head coaches were supposed to be working out this week. They can't work out this week. The teams were also with OTAs, and those, those workouts before the season are so important for a new system, especially an offensive system, yet Daniel Jones now can't meet with his head coaches, nonetheless his offensive coordinator. So do you think that, um, that the Steelers, as they are listed as a favorite to make it, that Big Ben's going to do something this year as he comes back from the elbow? Ooh, it's so tough to say coming back from injury. I think he will. 
uh, it's not as if it's a, I guess it's not like a hamstring. You just have to hope that Big Ben's elbow doesn't linger. Um, you know, he's older. I just, I'm more curious as to if the Pittsburgh Steelers are going to draft a quarterback this upcoming NFL draft. I wonder if Jalen Hurts could go to the Pittsburgh Steelers. I think the Steelers do have to start looking towards the future. I don't think that Big Ben's done yet. I think you give him another two years as long as he can stay healthy this season. Two more years is what I could say for Big Ben until another quarterback might threaten to take over. It's just now you have to build up that receiving core again. No Antonio Brown. Juju Smith-Schuster was injured last year. Um, The Steelers, I think, will obviously show much more progress and growth into this coming season than they had to deal with last year with the uncertain quarterback situation. Um, It's going to be a tough AFC North again. I think I'm excited for the Ravens-Steelers rivalry to come back. Then you have Joe Burrow and Baker Mayfield at the quarterback position. I just hope that the Steelers can maybe look at this NFL draft to look towards the future because Jalen Hurts is intriguing for me. I got 90 seconds respectfully. Do you think that uh, we have talked about the Patriots, but do you think that the Bills can steal that division from them finally? It's actually my favorite bet is not only the Bills to take that division, but also I love the Bills AFC championship future and the Bills Super Bowl future. It's an it's Whoa. a good thing to look for. Great value, and it's been moving tremendously in the Bills' direction for the Super Bowl. Yeah, I've talked about um, the Bills with Tim Graham at a Buffalo News. Now with uh, Athletic, I actually told him I thought they could uh, they could go to the Super Bowl. So you and I are, are thinking alike there. And then I'm I'm with you on the Chiefs. I think the Ravens are still the best team. I think the Steelers will give them a run for their money, though. I don't know. I'm not buying the Colts, and I I think the Titans will fall off after that run they were on. I got um, 30 seconds. What do you think? I got 10 seconds for you. Do you think that uh, the Titans can do anything after what they did last year? I think so. I think they'll be a competitor in their division, for sure. All right, so we'll come back. I got a lot I got to talk about with Ariel. We're going to talk a little basketball. We're going to talk about tanning on an island in the middle of nowhere. We have no idea where that island is, but we're going to that island. I can guarantee you that. And baseball. Do you think baseball is going to happen in May like some people are predicting? It's coast to coast on Sports Grid. Go with us. DailyRoto.com. Learn from the game's best DFS players. We don't just give you premier advice. We play every day. All major sports, all year round, we never stop. Industry-leading DFS tools and custom projections. And now, the DailyRoto.com Optimizer. In minutes, build an optimized lineup for cash games and tourneys. Learn from the game's best DFS players. Join DailyRoto.com. Have you written a book and need some insight into what comes next? Or are you passionate about cooking and want to know how to make it your career? Or maybe you just want to hear insider stories about the entertainment industry. Either way, we've got you covered with the Two Guys from Hollywood podcast. I'm Alan Nevins, a literary agent and talent manager. And I'm Joey Santos, a columnist and celebrity chef. And on our podcast, Two Guys from Hollywood, we bring our expertise to the table with, of course, delicious cocktails and all kinds of recipes for you to try at home. So grab a drink and join us. We've got a wide range of celebrity guests and Hollywood insiders to discuss pop culture, publishing, and entertainment. And we'll provide you with an unfiltered and sometimes brutally honest show about Hollywood. As we like to say, we don't dish, we serve. Listen and follow Two Guys from Hollywood on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you listen to podcasts. We'll talk at you soon.
coast to coast, Ariel Epstein with me. Uh, so uh, I didn't ask you about uh, this question. I was talking to Peter King about it, about Gil Brandt, uh, legend, 65 years doing the draft. And uh, that's like, I think they've had uh, 85 of them. So he's been at almost every single one of them. When you think about it, it's crazy. I used to do radio with Gil on Fox and uh, I love him. He's just the greatest guy ever. But he thinks that uh, Justin Herbert is going to go before uh, to a tag of Aloha. And he also is just, you know, gigantic on tackles uh, that are going to do really well in this draft. He's got four of them in the first round. So uh, I actually uh, agree with him, Ariel, about Justin Herbert. I actually believe that he's going to be a better pro quarterback than Tua Tagovailoa. I believe uh, in people that uh, along the lines of thinking that he he got banged up in college, he got injured a lot in college, not tons, but enough. I mean, he got knocked around and, and he didn't get up. So I have a feeling the same thing's going to happen to him at the next level, which is, I can guarantee, a lot more violent than college football. So I actually think Herbert has more of a standard shot at, at being successful in the NFL. I think he'll be able to take the abuse more than Tua. Herbert is definitely more of the typical NFL quarterback structure. I mean, he's six foot five, six foot six, two hundred thirty-five pounds. Very similar to the stature of Philip Rivers, which is why I am intrigued by the LA Chargers taking Herbert. The only difference here is I could see the Miami Dolphins, which the odds are telling us the Miami Dolphins are the favorites to take to a tongue of Iloa. If that's the case, I would think that the Miami Dolphins, just to make sure that they stay ahead of the Chargers in the draft, the Dolphins are going to trade up, in my opinion. And I think that could be with the Detroit Lions at the number three pick. The Lions, to me, look like they are very interested in Jeff Okuda, the cornerback. If that's the case, then you could just have Okuda by going back to the fifth pick in the draft. Who cares? You'll get the cornerback there. The Giants aren't taking a cornerback. I like Miami to take Tua and then the Chargers to stay in place for Herbert. I like Herbert going to the Chargers because if you have Phillip Rivers for the last few years as your quarterback, you don't have to change too much in your offensive system because it's not as if the Chargers, to me, are going to be building around Tyrod Taylor at the moment. If anything, you're looking for your next franchise quarterback, might as well go with the guy that looks and acts as if your quarterback did for the last 12 years. That's why I like Herbert going to L.A., and I don't think that he's going to go before Tua. I think Tua, we've seen it in the odds. It's moved from the three-and-a-half rounds at the – I mean, the three-and-a-half pick down to two-and-a-half, which shows me the odds like Tua to go in the first three picks of the draft. Yeah, I'm fine with that, and that may very well be. Uh, and that's you know neither here nor there when it comes to how I feel about his future. Uh, you could go number one. I still don't think he's going to be a better quarterback than Herbert. I agree. I thought you were uh, saying that Tua would go after Herbert. In no, I, I just think he's uh, – my point is I agree with Gil that Gil has him going higher. I may not – you know, I agree with you that he won't go higher, but I believe that he's a better quarterback in the NFL over the next 15 years – I think he'll have a better career and be a, a more sturdy quarterback, more dependable, and I think he'll play like Phillip Rivers did every Sunday uh, until the cows come home. And I think uh, my guess is, this is just my guess, I believe Tua Tagovailoa will go higher and will spend 
at least half of his career standing on the sideline with injuries. Because I've seen him already, I've seen him already do it now. Now let me tell you about your your boy Simmons. Uh, he had him at number three. The guy you were talking about, the Giants should go snag. And then the tackles. Listen to this. Four in a row. Uh, Wills at seven. The kid from Alabama. Worfs, the kid from Iowa, eight. Thomas, the Georgia Bulldog, at nine. And Becton, the just monster from Louisville, uh, at 10. Four tackles in a row in the top wow. 10. How, how do you like that? I think that's a little unrealistic. <laughs> I, I like that. Um, I think that there you'll see a wide receiver go in there somewhere. I think the offensive tackles, I wouldn't be surprised if those four or even five offensive tackles go in the first round of this draft. They're very offensive tackles, all of them. I'm a little shocked that the Alabama offensive tackle he has going before the Iowa offensive tackle in Werfs. I've seen Iowa's offensive tackle go in many mock drafts as the first offensive tackle off the board. Um, I do like the the Georgia offensive tackle, too. I think he fits well, especially for the Giants system. I like him for the Giants, but I think the Giants are going to end up going with Isaiah Simmons just because Simmons is the best player available at that time. The Giants aren't going to be afraid to take a defensive player. Then again, though, Gettleman always seems to surprise us with his first-round pick, so it wouldn't surprise me if he tries to protect his quarterback in Daniel Jones by drafting an offensive tackle as well, which would open up a lot of eyes for people because people are going to be all over Isaiah Simmons. He had uh, Jeff Akuda at 13, but he did admit that he had him too low. A lot of people have Akuda in the top five, the corner out of Ohio State. He's a slick corner. Uh, he's the best corner in the draft, without a doubt. Are you surprised that he had him rated that low? Yeah, I am a little bit, just because there are some teams, especially the the Detroit Lions, have the, I think, worst or second-to-worst de- uh, secondary in the NFL in 2019. The Detroit Lions really need to boost up their secondary, which is why I think that Okuda is such a slam dunk for the Lions. The secondary needs help on that Lions defense. The Lions need a lot of help in other areas. If you could get a cornerback such as Okuda, which I actually was talking to Jared Smith about this on the morning after, I said it's so unlikely for a cornerback to go in the top five of an NFL draft. Cornerbacks never really go that high. Even the best quarterbacks in the NFL, such as Peterson. Peterson didn't even go in the top five. It's just he is such a talent, and for a team such as the Detroit Lions who really need to boost their secondary, I see it being a good fit, but I also see it being an advantage for someone such as Detroit because Detroit can leverage that third pick in the draft with a team who's trying to get a quarterback you could draft backwards in the draft, pick up even another pick along the way to help boost up whatever other areas you need, and you'll get your you'll get Okuda at five or six if you want to trade back with L.A. or Miami. So uh, Ariel Epstein with us on Coast to Coast. Uh, I want to switch gears and talk about uh, you and I. We need to go to this private island that Dana White has bought because I was at uh, dinner with Carver High in Vegas before the Fury-Wilder fight, and we saw uh, Dana. He came to our table and said hi, uh, not because of uh, Carver High and I, but because I was with the most powerful woman in television, uh, Dale Hopkins, who runs Pay-Per-View. She uh, had every famous person in the place coming up to the table, and here comes Dana. And if I would have known then, if he would have told me, Pharrell, listen, I got a private island I bought. 
you need to tell Ariel, you guys should fly down there and lay at the beach for a couple of days. And then just as a bonus, you could watch uh, UFC 249. We would have been he, there already. You know what I mean? If he would have told me that you and I could go to this private island somewhere, we don't know where it is. He won't tell anyone yes. where it is. If he would have tipped us off as to where it is, then we could go watch uh, Tony Ferguson and, and Justin Gatchy fight. And then we could have worked on our tan because you and I are looking a little pasty these days oh, after being sure. trapped. I you haven't were left sick. my house in 23 days. I know you were sick, and now you're ready. You need to get some sun. I've been sitting outside yeah. two days in a row, laying out on my back deck with no clothes on. I'm literally, I'm just lathering up, trying to get some rays. You're I'm playing joking. basketball against your dog. I am. I am doing that. I know you've seen me do that. Now, would you be interested in going to a private island to watch UFC 249? Would you take the risk? Yes, of course. Listen, they're going to be quarantined on an island, whatever. First of all, I, don't, I have the antibodies already. I'm, like, invincible at this point. I can go anywhere I want as long as, you know what, I, I'm not even contagious anymore. I asked the doctors. They told me I'm not contagious. They said I shouldn't get coronavirus again or the Hanta, whatever you want to call it. I'm not, supposed, I'm not supposed to get the Hanta anymore, which means I'm free to travel. I'm going to go to this island. I'm going to figure out where it is. I don't know where. I'm going to find out. And you know what? No one's going to be upset because I'll be in a bikini. So what do they care? Listen, so they are saying now, Ariel, that they will own this island permanently and that they are going to have a lot of their international fights moving forward on this island that they will own. And year-round, they will be able to facilitate uh, international flights and international fighters. There'll be no more of this. Uh, Habib couldn't fly to the U.S. from Russia because the borders are closed. This is not going to be a problem for them, and they're going to have fighters from wherever get to this island. And even if they have to send private jets, private jets to pick up the fighters, because believe me, you, the UFC's got their own private jets, and they got billions of dollars, and they're in bed with ESPN. I actually think that it's one of the smartest things I've heard yet. They are going to pull this off. They're having this fight on the 18th. He literally said, uh, I don't care what anybody thinks. I don't know if you've seen some of the quotes he said. Uh, he said, I'm, uh, I got the deal. We have this place. It's, uh, I locked it up. I'm going to continue pumping fights out. Uh, I've got the island. I've got everything. Uh, we're going to have international fights. Then he said this. He said, uh, we're going to start cranking up. We're going to be back up and running internationally and here in the States. He also said, Something about the uh, fact of uh, you're trapped inside every day. People are going to start losing their minds. That was my favorite thing. He said, we're worried about health and safety and all this other stuff. He said, but people are jonesing for entertainment. People are going to start turning on each other. He might be right. Listen, we saw it with the WrestleMania uh, statistics about social media. They were up 57% in their social media from WrestleMania the last two days. With that being said, UFC, the only thing I hope that they're able to do is that they make it affordable for people. Not everyone's going to want to sit and spend 60 70 80 $90 on the main event every week. If you can at least make it half the price, make it affordable for people during this time, then I could see it lifting off. Even if they are able to convince ESPN to run the main card for one time on ESPN, just give us one fight on ESPN to get bring people in then you can say, okay, for 30 bucks, 40 bucks, we'll give you the main card if right. you go to ESPN+. Plus. Listen, I'm with you, Ariel. I like the way you think. All right, let's talk about a couple other things. Do you believe they're going to pull off 
baseball in zone. About a time I get to racially profiled Arizona in May, where the teams would live in like, I don't know, uh, hotels, spas, resorts, Canyon Ranch. I don't know where they're going to go, but there's a lot of great spots. Maybe Sedona. Are they going to play baseball in May? Is the major leagues coming back? Because I'll tell you what, if there's baseball to bet on, I'm going to freak out. Well, here's what I tweeted last night. I said, um, I, first of all, my mom started making me watch Oz, the show on HBO. from Great show. Great, Great show. show. We're on. Se- we're almost on season three. So I'm very into like I have drug addicts in my head at this point. <laughs> I'm thinking to myself last night as I'm reading this article coming out. I said I feel like a drug addict who's shaking for sports. If baseball, I don't even. I'm reading this article and I'm thinking, okay, Ariel from like November would have a lot to say about this article. As I'm reading it, I said I don't really care. Just give me baseball. I'm shaking. I'm like a drug addict who's being weaned off of drugs. I just need baseball. I don't care what capacity. Have seven innings for a doubleheader. Cut the season into 135 games. Quarantine all the players into Arizona. Don't let them sit in dugouts. Have them sit in six feet apart in the stands. I don't care. If you put baseball on my television and I could bet on baseball games, I'm going to be the happiest person in the world. You don't want to do mound visits? all right, like, we'll learn sign language and we'll make everyone close their eyes and put blindfolds on while you communicate through sign language. I really don't care. Just give me baseball to bet on. The only thing I feel bad for is for the the, the lower people on the totem pole who will have to help this come together. If they have to be quarantined away from their families for about four or four and a half months, they're not the ones making millions of dollars. I don't feel bad for the players. If they have to be away from families for four, four and a half months, they're making so much money. If I was married to someone... If I was married to a baseball player who said, hey, babe, listen to me. For my 20 mil, I have to go to Arizona for four, four and a half months. I'll see you in August. I was like, deuces. Of course. I mean, that's exactly what's going to happen because uh, you either, you know, go play and make money or basically have nothing. If you're around your family, if we have to sit here for another six months and never leave your house, uh, people are going to start snapping like Dana White said. I'll give you that. One other thing, when you watch Oz, my good friend Chuck Zito's in that. So uh, he's on Oz, and he's got a scary role on Oz. You'll love that show. Uh, that's real old school. Let me ask you this. So baseball, let's say it comes back, and uh, and all these people are playing, and, and it happens. Do you think that uh, because, like, if they take that risk uh, to go play baseball again, do you think other Sports are going to follow and go for it, like golf, tennis. Do you think the ones that are outdoors are going to go for it? Uh, the NHL, there's been rumors they want to go to, like, you know, North Dakota and play. Do you think others will follow suit? The thing is, which I'm surprised that actually Major League Baseball – well. Surprised and not surprised. The thing is, the NBA and the NHL, the only thing that I think was any kind of conflict was the TV deals because there was three or four more games regionally that each team had to have with their networks. Aside for that, I thought the NBA and the NHL had it way easier than Major League Baseball because they just had to figure out, let's just end the regular season and start the playoffs somewhere. You're cutting your leagues in half by doing that. Major League Baseball had to figure out a way to get every single one of their teams ready for an entire regular season or at least close to an entire regular season. That's why I'm a little surprised Major League Baseball was able to figure this out a little bit sooner. With that being said, I do think there's some kind of push if baseball gets on television that the NBA and the NHL at that point might say, 
we have to figure this out because it looks bad on us that we can't get it sorted out. It's all the ifs of testing. The testing is the big deal. The thing that I could see happening too is there's apparently a machine that does the testing. So if all of the teams or the leagues can buy themselves that machine that you then just swab the nose and I guess it goes into a machine and that's when it tells you if it's negative or positive. That's the way I guess that the testing could be a lot more immediate than say having to send test results in somewhere. That's the way I could see it getting sorted out is by purchasing that machine. Listen, uh, all I know is uh, I, I want to watch baseball every day. If there was a full slate of baseball games with no fans, they're playing Arizona, I don't care where they play it, I'm going to be watching. Uh, get your uh, bag ready. Get your sunblock ready. I'm going to find out where that island is, and we're going to go there and lay out and get our tans back and our groove on, and then we'll go watch that UFC fight. Uh, always great having you on Coast to Coast, Ariel, talking NFL, Talking playoff chances, talking odds, talking draft picks. It's chaos. I love having you on the show always. Stay healthy, kid, and uh, get ready because we're going to fly to that island. Thanks for coming on. Got it. There she is, Ariel Epstein, on Coast to Coast, like you read about. DailyRoto.com. Learn from the game's best DFS players. We don't just give you premier advice. We play every day. All major sports, all year round, we never stop. Industry-leading DFS tools and custom projections. And now, the DailyRoto.com Optimizer. In minutes, build an optimized lineup for cash games and tourneys. Learn from the game's best DFS players. Join DailyRoto.com. Hey everyone, it's Michelle Williams, and I love being able to share my story with you on my podcast, Checking In with Michelle Williams, where my guests and I, we get real as we share the ups and downs of our mental health journeys, and I'd love for you to join me. Hey, it's going to be your church and your turn up. So listen to Checking In with Michelle Williams every Tuesday, a part of the Black Effect on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts.